0: if you have your bibles we'll look at daniel 11 and we'll turn to daniel 11 and as we prepare to read as you find that we'll stand if you're able as we honor the lord as we stand for the reading of scripture um, daniel 11 starting at verse 29 to the end of the chapter this is god's holy and infallible word daniel 11:29. At the appointed time, he will return and come into the south, but this last time it will not turn out the way it did before, for ships of Kittim will come against him. Therefore, he will be disheartened and will return and become enraged at the Holy Covenant and take action. So he will come back and show regard for those who forsake the Holy Covenant, forces from him will arise, desecrate the sanctuary fortress and do away with the regular sacrifice and they will set up the abomination of desolation. By smooth words he will turn to godlessness those who act wickedly toward the covenant. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Those who have insight among the people will give understanding to the many, yet they will fall by sword and by flame, by captivity and by plunder for many days. Now when they fall, they will be granted a little help, and many will join with them in hypocrisy. Some of those who have insight will fall in order to refine, purge, and make them pure until the end time, because it is still to come at the appointed time. Then the king will do as he pleases, and he will exalt and magnify himself above every god, and will speak monstrous things against the god of gods, and he will prosper until the indignation is finished. For that which is decreed will be done. He will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the desire of women, nor will he show regard for any other god, for he will magnify himself above them all but instead he will honor a god of fortresses a god whom his father did not know he will honor him with gold silver costly stones and treasures he will take action against the strongest fortresses with the help of a foreign god he will give great honor to those who acknowledge him and will cause them to rule over the many and will parcel out land for a price At the end time, the king of the south will collide with him and the king of the north will storm against him with chariots, with horsemen, and with many ships. And he will enter countries, overflow them, and pass through. He will also enter the beautiful land and many countries will fall. But these will be rescued out of his hand, Edom, Moab, and the foremost of the sons of Ammon. Then he will stretch out his hand against other countries, And the land of Egypt will not escape. But he will gain control over the hidden treasuries of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. And Libyans and Ethiopians will follow at his heels. But rumors from the east and from the north will disturb him. He will go forth with great wrath to destroy and annihilate many. He will pitch the tent of his royal pavilion between the seas and the beautiful holy mountain. Yet he will come to his end, and no one will help him. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this revelation given by an angel to your servant Daniel. Help us to understand these things. And we do thank you that you are the one who shows the end from the beginning, even giving forth this history long before even the birth of Alexander the Great. Help us, we pray, to understand and receive these things, for we ask it all in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Perhaps uh, one of the disputed prophecies that you hear of Maybe you've heard of it numerous times, is the abomination of desolation. Now, some of us have probably heard of it, or maybe we've read it in different translation, as the abomination that causes desolation. Now, I'm going to touch on this a little bit more, Lord Willing, in, in this message, but one of the problems with this particular statement or prophecy is that it's mentioned here in Daniel and undoubtedly it comes to pass in the things that that is foretold by the angels it comes to pass during the period of the time of the Maccabean revolt okay but you go and you look at the you look at the New Testament and you see Jesus talking about the abomination of desolation as still something yet future Wait, didn't it happen back in, during the time of the Maccabeean Revolt? Why is it still future? And one of the answers as we'll come to look at it, is that the, uh, an abomination is an idol that people set up that causes desolation or horror. Uh, I saw one translation. It's the footnote in your uh, New American Standard 1995 edition. Desolation could be considered horror. It's, it's, it's horrific, not only to the people of God, but it's horrific in the sight of God, this abomination that causes desolate horror. So getting back to Daniel, um, if you look back at Daniel 10, at the very end, it says here that this is the angel speaking to Daniel. I will tell you What is inscribed in the writing of truth? The angel tells this to Daniel because the angel is getting ready to give him a history that is yet to come. And he's going to give it in great detail. I I find great detail. But this inscribed history called the writing of truth is God already knowing the end from the beginning and telling this to the angel to then communicate it to Daniel. Now, um, beginning at chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 1, to the very end of the chapter, even to the very first few verses of chapter 12, is all one long discourse of an angel given to Daniel to tell him these things yet to come to pass. Uh, Daniel 11, verse 3, um, mentions a mighty king arising. That's going to be a great, mighty king um, well, actually, we'll, we'll skip a little bit. Uh, we'll go back a little bit further. It talks about this, this fourth uh, king of Persia who will gain far more riches than all the other kings of Persia. But as soon as he becomes strong through his riches, he will arouse the whole empire against the realm of Greece. Maybe he shouldn't have picked on Greece because later, Greece then comes back and dominates all of the Persian Empire. Look at verse 3. And a mighty king will arise, that's Alexander the Great, and he will rule with great authority and do as he pleases. That's very much an abbreviated point of history because his doing as he pleases is taking over almost all of the entire Persian Empire by the age of 30 in a very rapid fashion. But as soon as he has arisen, verse 4, his kingdom will be broken up and parceled out toward the four points of the compass, though not to his own descendants, not according to his authority, which he wielded. Okay, so the kingdom being divided in four, parceled out, that's the kingdom of basically Greece, the empire of Greece, being divided in four separate kingdoms. But we don't hear much of the other two except in this entire big chapter of chapter 11 only two are mentioned which one is called the kingdom of the north and one called the kingdom of the south and these are the the kingdom empires of the Ptolemy empire and the Seleucid empire the other two are not mentioned at all because they're kind of far removed from Israel they're far removed from the promised land and they're not bothering anybody in the promised land and really this whole revelation is given here to us because it matters upon the people of God Now, what does it matter if a northern kingdom of Greece and a southern kingdom of Greeks are fighting one another? It matters to Israel and to the Promised Land because they're caught in in the middle of it. They're caught smack dab in the middle of this fighting between these two Greek empires. Um, Before they were overtaken by the Seleucid Empire, they were under the Ptolemy Empire very tolerant, very willing to let the Jews do their sacrifices, very willing to let them um, flourish in in the Jewish religion, not trying to impose uh, Greek religion upon them. But when this evil, wicked man, uh, a man of ill repute, who is mentioned as being a a vile person, Antiochus Epiphanes, which Epiphanes refers to uh, one calling himself the illustrious one. When this vile person comes in, their freedoms are taken away and they're, high, they're greatly persecuted for their religion. We'll see this in uh, two main points. We'll see that, uh, first, Antiochus and his abominations. So the first main point is Antiochus and his abominations. And the second main point is the fall of Antiochus. And um, I don't know about you, but I rejoice in the fall of that evil, wicked man. Let's first look at his abominations. So speaking of of Antiochus IV, or Antiochus Epiphanes of the Seleucid Empire, verses 29 through 30 say this. At the appointed time, he, that's Antiochus, uh, will return and come to the south that's to Egypt. But at this last time, it will not turn out the way it did before. For ships of Kittim will come against him. Therefore, he will be in disheartened and will return and become enraged at the Holy Covenant and take action. Now, for my explanation of the historical background of this, I'm using Jameson Fawcett and Brown, a group of scholars who wrote a, a fine commentary on this. And they mention these ships of Katim are actually ships um, that are Macedonian-Grecian vessels. And this name here, uh, Katim, is actually derived from the name Cyprian. Okay, so these are Greek vessels. Now, he mentions that the history behind this is that they had Roman... Um, ambassadors that came, Roman ambassadors came to Antiochus Epiphanes and stopped him from the invasion of Egypt. Why is he listening to Rome? One, because he's fighting against the Kingdom of the South, the Ptolemy Empire. I don't think Antiochus Epiphanes wants to fight against the Ptolemies and Rome, which is a, very, which is a mighty, a rising power. I, um, so, the Romans discourage this man from his conquest. Antiochus says, I want to dominate. And the Romans come in on these ships, and the ambassador meets with him, and he says, no, you shouldn't. So he listens to Rome. So what do you do? What is a, I hate to mention it as a kid, but sometimes if you have a kid and they don't get their way, they throw a tantrum, and they take it out on somebody else. Well... It, that's kind of really what Antiochus did. When the Romans told him, no, 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 you can't do what you want to do. You can't go conquesting these people in the south. It says in middle of verse 30 and 31, So he will come back and show regard for those who forsake the holy covenant. Forces from him will arise, desecrate the sanctuary fortress, and do away with the regular sacrifice. That is the sacrifice in the holy temple. And... They will set up the abomination of desolation. So, I can't go dominate these Ptolemies in the south. What I'm going to do? I'm going to go, I'm going to wreck these religious Jews and their religion. That's what he did. So, um, I'm going to read you a little section again from Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. And he says that these verses, verses 30. And 31 referred to this. These scholars say this. this um, so he says here, Ptolemy, I'm sorry, Antiochus Epiphanes goes and shows regard for those who forsake the Holy Covenant. Who is he talking about here? These are apostates, that is, apostate Jews and the nation. And he mentions a few by name. He says that these Jews, imagine this, these are Jews who themselves instigated the Seleucid Empire against their own people. Why? Because they thought that learning the Greek philosophy and Greek religions was good enough for the masses to be kept in check. They had these, these Jews, who became Greeks, had cast off circumcision and the religion of Jehovah for Greek customs. Antiochus, on his way home, said he sent... Um, Apollonius, he sent Apollonius with 22,000 to destroy Jerusalem and for two years after the capture of the city of himself, uh, Apollonius slew multitudes, dismantled and, and pillaged the city and then he set up a fortress to command the temple and then he fell and slew the worshipers so that the temple services was discontinued. Also, Antiochus decreed that all on pain of death should conform to the Greek religion. And the temple was consecrated to Jupiter Olympus, Olympius. And then he identified himself with that god with fanatical haughtiness. And then he wished to make his own worship. That is, the emperor, Antiochus Epiphanes, sought to make his own worship. Universal. So he sets up this altar to Jupiter Olympus, Olympias, and he he identifies himself, he parallels himself with that Greek god, and he wants his own worship made universal. Okay, so he sets up an abomination. An abomination is an idol. He sets up an idol. In the holy temple, to a Greek god, to be worshipped by the, the Jews, and that's what makes desolation, or that's what makes something that's horrific, both in the sight of the Jews and the in the sight of God. And uh, according to First Maccabees, by the way, um, if you do study Maccabees, First and Second Maccabees, they are books of history. They are books that cover the revolt of the Jews against these tyrants, but they're not scripture. When they talk about the history of what happened, that's fine. But there are times in the book of Maccabees where you find theological statements that are really off kilter because it's not a theologian writing. And it's a, it's a uh, basically, it's a, it's a guy named Judas Maccabeus. Um, who who is basically a warrior? He's not necessarily a fine theologian. And that's why we have things that are off theologically with the book. Um, so, according to First Maccabees chapter one verse fifty four, says they set up. That is the Greeks. The Greeks set up the abomination of desolation on the altar. What was the abomination of desolation? It was an image of Jupiter. Olympias. Erected on the Jehovah's altar, the same altar used for burnt sacrifices, they set up this altar to the, the Greek God. Um, uh, you probably heard this, that during this time of history that a pig was sacrificed, or maybe maybe multiple pigs were sacrificed in the Holy Temple. And... You know, and I used to think that the abomination of, that caused desolation is the act of sacrificing the pig. But again, an abomination is an idol. Setting up an idol to a Greek god, an image of a Greek god, a false pagan idol in the Holy Temple, that itself is the abomination. Now, was the practice of sacrificing a pig sacrilegious? Yes. But the abomination is really this... this um, image that was offered. Now, regarding abomination of desolation used in the New Testament, Jesus speaks of it as yet future. Now, I'm not going to go into to this in great detail, but around the time when the second temple is destroyed in 70 A.D., um, there are stories of Titus coming in, and he sets up, uh, you know, that I don't know if anyone's seen this movie about the Golden Eagle, I think it's uh, the Romans carried this standard called the Golden Eagle. It was a staff with a beautiful gold eagle or something on it, and that was the that was like their banner. They would carry that in the war, and then you know. So anyway, they took that thing and they put that. According to some historians, they took that and brought that into the Holy Temple, and they set that up as an idol in the Holy Temple. Because that was the, the standard of Rome. You, you think about it, when you, when you take over a land, you, you put your flag as your standard of dominance. So let's take our golden eagle and put it smack dab in the middle of the Jewish temple. Um, other such things, and I, I've heard even worse stories of the blasphemous, evil things that Titus did under the Roman rule before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Um, verses 32... And following, speak of other abominations. It's not just this one thing that was terrible. It's these other abominations mentioned in verses 32 and following. Look there. It says, By smooth words, he will turn to godlessness those who act wickedly toward the covenant. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure, but I think this particular verse talking about those who know their God displaying strength and taking action could speak of the Maccabeans and their rising up to fight against the Greeks. Uh, Look at verses uh, 33 and following. Those who have insight among the people will give understanding to the many and they Yet they will fall by the sword, and by flame, by captivity, and by plunder for many days. Now when they fall, they will be granted a little help, and many will join them in hypocrisy. Some of those who have insight will fall in order to refine, purge, and make them pure until the end time. Uh, Stop there for a second. Verse 35. Okay. This is something found throughout history. It happened during the Roman persecution. Uh, during the first century, there were many who were persecuted by Rome that God was seeking, you could say, to purge, pure, purify, and refine his church. Um, there are times where God does that sort of thing where you know he, he, we're even told in the New Testament that our faith is tested by fire sometimes even now in history um, you have a church um, let, let, let's bring up the uh, the LGBTQ agenda there are churches where the LGBTQ agenda is rising up in the church and some are holding fast to the gospel, and some are falling by the wayside and adopting the LGBTQ agenda hook, line, and sinker. But those who are remaining faithful are those that God is refining and he's purging out some of the rest, right? But those uh, who are his will be kept pure. Something that not only is happening now, but it will continue to happen for history. It's one of the ways that God um, refines us by fire. Okay. Uh, look at verse 36. Then the king will do as he pleases, and he will exalt and magnify himself above every god, and will speak monstrous, monstrous things against the God of gods, and he will prosper until the indignation is finished. For that which is decreed will be done he will show no regard for the gods of his fathers nor for the desire of women nor will he show regard for any other god for he will magnify himself above them all that fits with what James and Foster and Brown said about him setting up the altar the Greek god in the altar of the holy temple, yet then identifying himself with that idol as the one to be worshipped. He set himself up above God. After all, he's, he's called the Epiphanes, the illustrious one, right? Um, this is one of the most heinous, blasphemous, most absolutely wicked man that has ever stepped foot upon the earth. It's mentioned earlier in Daniel's prophecy. He was a vile, wretched man. Uh, he came into power by intrigue. Some, um, we believe it's through assassination that he came to power. But later on, those who act wickedly, those who seek to, do, um, to undermine the kingdom of God... God will take care of in his good time and it mentions in today's text the fall of Antiochus. Look at uh, verses 40 and following. At the end time, the king of the south will collide with him. That is Antiochus Epiphanes. And the king of the north will storm against him with chariots, with horsemen and with many ships and he will enter countries, overflow them and pass through He will also enter the beautiful land, and many countries will fall. But these will be rescued out of his hand, Edom, Moab, and the the foremost of the sons of Ammon. Then he will stretch out his hand against other countries, and the land of Egypt will not escape. But he will gain control over the hidden treasuries of gold and silver, and over all the precious things of Egypt. And Libyans and Ethiopians will follow at his heels. But rumors from the east and from the north will disturb him and he will go forth with great wrath to destroy and annihilate many. He will pitch the tents of his royal pavilion between the seas and the beautiful holy mountain. Yet he will come to his end and no one will help him. There's an end for this wicked ruler, emperor, Antiochus, Epiphanes. Um, Before we go any further, I do want to mention the writing of a a different historian. There's a a historian named Hans Volkmann, uh, writing for Britannica who wrote a little bit of this revolt of the Maccabees, and he cites a little bit of uh, the Maccabean uh, documents there. He writes this, In the temple, an altar to Zeus Olympios, so instead he, he calls it Zeus Olympias. is the one that the, uh, this idol was made to, an, an altar to Zeus Olympias was erected, and sacrifices were to be made at the feet of an idol in the image of the king. So, His record of this event is that not only was there an idol of this Greek god, but there was also an image, maybe you could say a a bust, a statue, a a carved image, of the king himself, and people were to make sacrifices not only to this Greek god, idol, but they were to make sacrifices to this image of Antiochus Epiphanes in the Jewish temple. Against that desecration, Judas Maccabeus, leader of the anti-Greek Jews, led a guerrilla war and several times defeated the generals of Antiochus that he had commissioned to deal with that uprising. Judas refused a partial amnesty. Okay, what's that? Um, Judas is winning victories. So then the Greeks are saying, well, let's try to make peace. But Judas Maccabees says, no, we're going to keep fighting because we want our land back and we want our country back. We want our nation back, right? Yep. So Judas Maccabees, the leader of these anti-Greek Jews, he refuses these, these partial amnesties. He conquers all of Judea with the exception of this Greek fortress in Jerusalem. And in December, the year 164 BC, he was able to tear down the altar of Zeus, Olympias, and he was able to reconsecrate the temple. And that's where we get this wonderful celebration of the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah, the, the re-celebration of the reconsecration of the temple. Antiochus apparently had underestimated the strength of the Hasmodean movement, which was behind the success in maintaining an independent Judean state for about a century. So the history that happens after this is after the Maccabean Revolt, the Jews have their own nation, their own independent Judean state for about a century until then the roman empire comes in and con- uh, conquers them and they become subjugated to the romans and that's where we come in with the new testament at the time um, for after about a century of this independent Jude- judean state through the work of the maccabees back at maccabeans the romans come in conquer the jews and then during the time of jesus they're no longer under the Greeks, but they're under Roman uh, rule. And that's the state of events that's going to be where Christ comes in. Um, there's a span of, it, I would say, at least 100 years from the end of chapter 11 to the very beginning of chapter 12. Um, it's going to talk about um, what's happening next and that's the coming of the Holy Gospel through Jesus Christ our Lord and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, next Lord's Day um, I did want us um, when, and when we do close in, in after closing in prayer I do want us to think about those who rise up and revolt against those who had no choice but to fight you could not imagine what it would be like to be under that rule of, of Antiochus Epiphanes. Not being able to worship your God, having the most holy place with an idol of a Greek God and have an idol of, the, of this ruler of the, of the kingdom of the Greeks placed in your holy temple. Um, I did read elsewhere that Jews were not allowed to have their Torahs. They would have it a, a burned if they had them taken in. Uh, Jews were not allowed to circumcise their children. I've read elsewhere. If you think that you've heard of some bad persecution, it was nothing like what was under Antiochus Epiphanes. In, in cases like that, you have no choice but to stand up and rise and fight. And that's what these Maccabeans did. And, and it's, it's a part of history that was important, leading... Even to the coming of Christ, and I, I believe even to talking about those who will stand up and rise and against this, it's even predicted, it's even foretold in this book, uh, in this passage that we study tonight in Daniel eleven. Uh, let's uh, let's pray together. Father, we thank you uh, for the wonderful way that you have revealed your holy truth that you have given forth such detailed history even far before it came to pass, that you've told us of, of these great conquests, of these great wars, of the rise of this evil man and of his fall. And we thank you that your word, even these words given by an angel to Daniel, show forth that your holy scriptures can be trusted that only your holy scriptures can foretell the future in such a detailed fashion help us we pray to trust you to trust your word more help us to trust in this blessed lord jesus christ who is the wonderful fulfillment of all the promises made unto the jews that very one who is the lamb of god who is that ultimate sacrifice for sin Help us, we pray, to honor our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us your word and help us to honor and glorify you. And even, we pray, help us to rise up and fight for our faith. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, I want us to stand and sing 540, Soldiers of Christ Arise. Let's stand and sing 540.